Hey everyone, it's Erin with The Coloradoan, and you're listening to this week's episode of In The Know. As you know, this weekly podcast rounds up and breaks down The Coloradoan's most read and most talked about stories. If you're a regular listener, you know this is reporter Kevin Dugan's week to host, but he's out of the office and you're stuck with me. So, without further ado, as we start all In The Know episodes, here are The Coloradoan's top five stories of the week. Pat Ferrier wrote about Loveland-based developer McWinney and how it's suing its original partners in Loveland's promenade shops at Sentara for $92 million. The suit is over alleged fraudulent transactions that led to the shopping center's 2009 foreclosure that cost McWinney its stake in the development. Then we have Nick Coltrane and Alicia Stice's reporting on a mountain lion that was killed by a Colorado Parks and Wildlife officer near Wellington over the weekend. Residents in the area said the mountain lion had been seen throughout November and had been attacking local livestock. There's also Pat Farrier's piece on the Elizabeth, which takes readers through the long-awaited 164-room hotel and all its splendor. Then we have Mark Knudsen's column on the Mountain West and whether he thinks the conference should try to bring Brigham Young University back into the fold. And last, but definitely not least, is J.C. Marmaduke's story on the uncertain future of Rawhide Unit 1, Larimer County's sole coal power plant and largest polluter. We'll actually be chatting with J.C. about that story for this episode, so stay tuned, because that's up next. In the meantime, if you want to check out any of the other stories I just mentioned, feel free to head over to coloradoin.com. Um, so I'm here with JC Marmaduke, uh, like I just said, and, um, and first I wanted JC, since she's never been on this podcast before, to kind of run us through, um, what her beat is, what she covers, uh, maybe how long she's been at the Colorado Inn. So JC, why don't you take it away and, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Hi, my name's JC. Uh, I'm the environment reporter at the Colorado Inn. I've been here about two and a half years, started in summer 2015 Um, and I cover just sort of everything in the world of environment. I do um, climate change, wildlife, natural resources, energy, a lot of uh, weather coverage um, and uh, lately have been doing all kinds of stuff. Um, Some of my recent stories have been on the large number of dead standing trees in Colorado and the impacts of that. I did a lot of uh, winter weather predictions, and now this story on uh, Platte River's moves potentially away from coal. So uh, this was our most recent Sunday um, cover story, and um, like I said, it's one of our, our top five um, most engaged stories of the week. Um, so JC, uh, this story poses a big and interesting question. What does a future without coal look like? So. Why are we asking ourselves that question here in Larimer County? Um, and can you kind of tell me a little bit about how this coal story uh, came about? Yeah, so the so I think one of the big drivers for this is Fort Collins has a climate action plan that they've had for a while now with the big goal being that the city is carbon neutral by 2050 and electricity 
emissions, greenhouse gas emissions related to electricity are about half of our total emissions. So we really just can't get there if we don't address all of the pollution that comes from our coal plant. And um, so sort of the, I, I think for, for Platte River, this has been a question for them for a while is, okay, how are we going to help Fort Collins meet this goal? And how can we also help the other municipalities that they serve, which is um, Estes Park, Loveland, and Longmont? You know, if they have goals in the future, how can they meet those? I think uh, it's, it's, it's a few things for, for why this question is coming up in the first place. Part of it is this goal that Fort Collins has. And I think it's also kind of just the, the industry of energy is changing a lot. Uh, you have this persistent call from from people and now from businesses too of cleaner energy and lower emissions. Um, meanwhile, you have renewable sources that are getting cheaper and cheaper every day, and that makes something like coal that also produces a lot of pollution look a little bit less attractive than it once was. And you mentioned um, in the story that a lot of coal power plants are kind of they're getting old, so they're faced with the option of spending a lot of money to bring them up to standards, uh, to present day standards. Um, what are some other options outside of coal um, that's being discussed, that are being discussed locally? So I think there, there's a lot of different options, but the, the two big ones that you see the most that don't produce pollution would be wind power and solar power. And, you know, they have benefits and drawbacks. Um, they're obviously both really plentiful and don't and don't pollute in, in the process of producing that energy. Solar power, the panels take up a lot of space and you have to figure out where to put them. If you put them far away from where you want to use the electricity, you have to figure out how to get the electricity here. Um, and that and those transmission lines can be pretty expensive and you get caught up in a lot of red tape. And wind power is is really is really plentiful and getting really cheap. Um, but you know those turbines are, are pretty big and can still be pretty expensive. And for both of them, you have to figure out. Obviously, the sun isn't going to shine all the time, and the wind isn't going to blow all the time. So you have to figure out how to adjust for the fact that you don't have something that's continuously producing power. And that's where natural gas comes in for a lot of people because that's something where you can have a natural gas generator just operating continuously. But natural gas does produce emissions from uh, of methane and also carbon dioxide. And there's a lot of issues that people have with fracking in Colorado. So those are some of the some of the biggest ones. So the Platte River Board um, is going to be presented with um, these options and, and just alternatives to coal this week, correct? Right on Thursday. So what is um, what are their next steps after after that presentation? So I'm told that once those results are presented, probably the board is going to have more questions, want more information on certain things, and they might end up doing another round of modeling or you know, go re-examine some things and then bring it back to the board. And then from there, at some point, it will trickle down to the municipal boards. So it would come before Fort Collins City Council and Fort Collins City Council would decide, okay, what kind of energy mix do we want for our city? Looking at how that could impact people's utility rates and, uh, and how it would impact the people who live here. 
So um, the issue of, of this coal power plant stuff, it brings up a lot of things that, that people care about. It's about their environment, their quality of life, their cost of living. Um, what was your what was the response like from readers about this story? Yeah, I, I was interested to see how people would respond. A lot of times when I write about climate change, I get a lot some angry emails. Uh, and I didn't get those this time around. People seemed overall just really interested and I think this is a really complex topic that people have been hearing about, whether on the forefront or maybe in the background for a pretty long time. So I think people were excited to have an opportunity just to have it laid out um, in a way that hopefully was easy for them to understand. And so now what I'm getting a lot is just more questions of, OK, you know, what's next? Could Platte River do this or that? And, you know. How can I be involved in the process? Um, people seem to be pretty engaged, which is always what you want when you write about something that's important. Great. Well, uh, we will look for your coverage as, as this develops. And um, thank you again so much for coming on your first episode of In the Know. Um, so thanks, JC. Thanks for having me. All right, that does it for our main segment. So I will leave you all with a few things to look forward to later this week and next. Reporter Nick Coltrane will take you inside Larimer County Commissioner Lou Gator's campaign for governor. So look for that later this week. Early next week, Seja Hindi, you know her, will be bringing us an article about new technology and law enforcement and how certain tools can help agencies find evidence. The future is now. We also need your help with something. We're looking for stories to tell about local Good Samaritans. So if you know someone who helped you, went above and beyond, performed an act of kindness, or was just a Good Samaritan this year, feel free to send more information about them to watchdog coach Rebecca Powell by emailing her at rebeccapowell at coloradoan.com. That's Powell, P-O-W-E-L-L. Thanks, guys. That does it for this week's episode of In the Know. I hope it helped you stay in the know. Bye, everyone. Mm-hmm.